may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is The Good News Show. And good afternoon. You are listening to The Good News Show. This is Cecil Anderson, the North Texas assistant of the Guadalupe Radio Network. It is Monday, December 20th. We are just five days away from celebrating the birth of Christ. It's a very exciting time of the year. We were talking about last week on the show how uh, we were kind of blessed this year to have almost a full week of the fourth Sunday, um, the fourth week of Advent, which sometimes gets cut off a little bit. But we are very excited uh, that we are getting closer in anticipation to Christ's birth. Um, like I said, I'm Cecil Anderson. Diane Xavier is running the board. It is a girl show today. It is a girl-run show today because uh, Dave Palmer, our executive director, is taking a well-deserved two-week uh, vacation uh, for the end of the year to spend time with his family over the holidays. And uh, so for the next two weeks, you have Diane and I uh, running the show. Uh, and we have, don't worry, it's not going to just be Diane and I talking the whole time because we have some fantastic guests lined up for the second half of the show. Uh, thanks to uh, Ellen Meckler from Our Lady of Angels in Allen, Texas. She connected me with Shelly Craig, who is from Faith and Grief, Grief, a uh, program uh, that happens virtually and locally in the DFW area um, to help people as they're grieving a loss of a loved one. And uh, Shelly is one of the is the program director, and uh, it's a nonprofit uh, offers yeah all sorts of different programs. And there's going to be an event coming up on. Wednesday, January 12th um, from 1 to 2 p.m. at St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church. So we'll be talking to her all about that and what that will entail and maybe go into a little bit about um, some tips for when you're going through your first holiday, maybe without someone that you love that you've lost in the last year. And uh, before that, though, we are going to have very special guests in studio and they're setting up right now. I'm going to introduce you in just a moment uh, to talk a little about the Eastern Catholic Church. And if you're not as familiar with it, this is a great time. So please keep tuning in. Uh, but first, I want to say hi to Diane. She was busy running multiple duties for me back there. Hello, hi, Diane. Cecil. How are you? I'm sorry I, I left you. No worries. <laughs> how are you doing with your Christmas plans so far? You feel like you're pretty prepared, Diane? Not really, but I will be. <laughs> That's a good idea. Good. So. Uh, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm constantly catching up. Uh, do you have any special plans for Christmas? You know, I want to make it out to Christmas Mass, Christmas yep. Eve Mass, and go to confession. Oh, that's a good so one. Yes, I've been yes. lacking in that area. <laughs> and I heard like some of the dioceses are having... Uh, posting their confession times at parishes yep, throughout. Yeah. Oftentimes there's a couple of nights where there's going to be a lot of priests available for confession. So that's awesome, Diane. A couple of other things I want to mention real quick before we go to our first guest is that uh, we actually launched our car raffle a little bit earlier than usual this year. Kind of did a soft launch. So if you are looking for those last minute Christmas gifts, you want to give uh, someone a chance to win a Mercedes-Benz GLA 250, uh, 2022 GLA 250. That's kind of a compact SUV if you're not familiar with car models like I am not familiar with car models, um, you can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and you can buy your tickets online. We normally do launch our car raffle after the first of the year. We're going to have a kickoff show on January 3rd. 3rd yeah, yes. January 3rd at 
8 a.m. when we're going to do the official launch. We're going to interview. Dave's going to be interviewing um, all of our different GMs from across the network. And uh, that kind of launches the season. But this year, we just wanted to have an opportunity in case you wanted to give some away, some raffle tickets away. Great as, Christmas present. As a too. Christmas present, exactly. And a stocking stuff or something like that. Again, they're $25 uh, each or 5 for 100 So you can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle. And uh, you can get entered into that drawing early on. Um, also, we have our GRN Facebook group that has been growing recently. If you want to stay up to date with local um, local uh, KTH updates, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to Facebook.com and in the Facebook search bar, type in GRNDFW and you can click to join group. And you'll get some kind of behind the scene photos, some programming updates, and a few other things. So make sure you join that group. Now, I think we're getting close to 500 members. So very Yes, nice I've to- seen a lot of... Uh, participation in the past couple of weeks i think mm-hmm. people are just loving the good news show i know they are yeah <laughs> always always um well without further ado i'd like to go ahead and go into our first program because i have a feeling that we're gonna would love to spend hours and hours with our guests um but uh father mark malik who has been on the program before has um uh reached out to us a while back and let us know that uh bishop nicholas samra from the bishop of newton the sorry the Parkyole, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bishop of um, Newton, the Melkite Church in the USA, was going to be in the DFW area and asked if he could come out and uh, talk to us a little bit about the history of the Eastern Catholic Church. And we said, of course, that is a great honor. Uh, so I'd like to welcome both of them onto the program real quick. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. Good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to be with you. Uh, of course. And you currently are in uh, Boston, is that right, where you are yes, residing? The seat, the seat of the eparchy or diocese is Boston. Wonderful. Uh, I hope you're enjoying our slightly cold weather we have here for <laughs> Christmas. Um, I, it's going to be 80, I heard, on Christmas, so I'm sorry if that's it's not better, what you're expecting. <laughs> it's better than Boston. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's usually pretty snowy and Are you going to send the snow from Boston to yeah. here soon? <laughs> I don't know, Diane. We didn't do so well with the snow back in February. <laughs> I don't know if we could take that. <laughs> um, but uh, before we get into like the history um, of the Eastern Catholic Church, because I have a feeling a lot of people listening right now are probably are very unfamiliar, including myself with a lot of it. I was wondering if you'd be uh, right going over a little bit of your vocation story and uh, how it is that you went from, you know, you went from priest and then now you're a bishop and a little bit of that background. Very good. Actually, I studied my theology from college and theology, 62 to 70, we had a seminary for the Melkite Church in the United States in Massachusetts run by a religious order from the Middle East. And uh, I graduated and was ordained in 1970, served eight years in our parish in Los Angeles, California, St. Anne, which is now our co-cathedral. And after that, I was transferred to Chicago, where I was pastor for two and a half years, and then on to New Jersey, my home parish, for eight years, and then I became a bishop. I was elected and chosen by uh, the Pope to be the auxiliary bishop of our diocese, or eparchy, as it's called in Eastern Church law. And I served as auxiliary bishop from that time on in 1980, from 1989. And uh, in 2011, I was named uh, the head bishop of the diocese by Pope Benedict, which I have now been serving. The former bishop 
immediate former bishop was uh, transferred to Beirut, Lebanon. So that's where I am right now, and uh, visiting my diocese covers the United States of America. Wow. <laughs> so I attempt to try to get as at least every two years to visit every parish. I have 45 communities. Some are parishes, most are parishes, and we have a few missions growing. Uh, and then we also have what we call an outreach, a pre-mission to start seeing if where we have Melkite families and gathering them together and bringing others into our church. And Father uh, Malik, that is what we have here in the DFW area, is it an outreach, is that right? Yes, a DFW outreach, it's about a little over one year old. Awesome, wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for uh, visiting with us. I do have a question. I was wondering, um, you said that you know you you were ordained in the Melkite rite. Um, do you have to be born into that to be able to go in, or how does that work? No, you don't have to be born. I am born into it. My family originated historically in Middle East, in Syria, where the Melkite uh, church was predominant. Melkite church exists not as an ethnic church, but it covered uh, what was greater Syria under the Ottoman Empire. And that is present-day Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, Jordan, parts of Iraq and Turkey and Kuwait, and even uh, in um, several other of the African nations where we have some people scattered. And then outside, of course. The uh, um, basic idea that uh, is uh, that was taking place, our people were scattering and they came across the countries. So... Uh, our church started in the United States in 1989, uh, and that's how it developed. How much has it grown here. since then, since 1989? What was the, I'm sorry, the original? Oh, so, yeah, how much has, she was asking about how much it's grown since, uh, you know, since you've been oh, in you our mentioned, church. Oh, yeah. but you mentioned also that do you have to be born Melkite? No, the Melkite church is an international church, so we welcome in anyone who wants to celebrate in the Melkite tradition. More than half of my clergy have no roots in the Middle East whatsoever. Oh, and wow. they came to our seminary, they studied, they became Melkite, and they uh, uh, are serving in my communities. So, uh, And people also. After the first generation of people came, many intermarriages took place, and uh, people were uh, celebrating our liturgy and Loved it and joined it and participated. The 45 communities are scattered across the USA uh, and uh, very scattered. And we need more. That's the other issue. Mm. We're getting a very large number of people coming from the broken Middle East, uh, all the problems that are existing there. Yeah. So we have people scattered in areas where we don't have churches right now. No, definitely. We we'll definitely want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East for uh, the, our fellow Catholics there. Um, but I just want to remind everyone that we're talking to Bishop uh, Samra um, right now. If you have a question for him, you can call in at 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Um, I also wanted to uh, obviously go over the history. You talked about it started really in Syria, um, and it dates back. I was looking into a little bit of history of it, but I'm sure you can explain it much better. <laughs> um, uh, can you go over that history a little bit and how it formed in today? Sure, sure. Well, be Jerusalem was the birth of the Christian church, and the actual cradle, so to say, was Greater Syria, where at that time Greater Syria was part of 
what is present-day Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, Jordan, basically. And uh, the Church of Antioch is the root church of our Melkite church, and it was a patriarchal see. In the early church, there were five patriarchs, the pope being the patriarch of the West, and there was one in Antioch, where we root, one in Jerusalem, one in Constantinople, and one in Alexandria, Egypt. The Melkite church grew there and developed, and it was part of the church of Antioch, but slowly phased into the Church of Constantinople, which we gave our liturgy to Constantinople. There it was Hellenized. Mm -hmm. And at the Council of Chalcedon, when the bishops were defining Jesus Christ as true God and true man, the empire was very Christian, and the emperor proclaimed the doctrine that the bishops had decided on, Jesus Christ, true God, true man, Chalcedon. The groups that rejected that and basically rejected not so much the teaching as much as the emperor, nicknamed those that followed the emperor Melkite from the Aramaic Syriac word Malko, meaning the emperor, meaning the king. Mm. So we were nicknamed. It was derogatory at that time. Oh. <laughs> at that time. And then it basically stayed with the people from the Middle Eastern Arabic-speaking nations uh, that word, so it was the it's the Byzantine tradition mm -hmm. from a, of you know of Antioch. That's basically what it is, and it grew. Uh, the patriarch at one point in the fourteen um, hundreds, when great earthquakes in Antioch became very Muslim, moved the seat from Antioch to Damascus, mm -hmm. but still with the same title, patriarch of Antioch. So we're located in present day Syria. Five dioceses in Lebanon, seven dioceses in the Holy Land. We have one in northern Galilee, which is modern-day Israel, and one in Jerusalem, one in Jordan. And we have vicariates in Iraq and Sudan and Kuwait. And then outside of the Middle East with people migrating for economic reasons mainly, turn of the 1900s, a little before that, we have the diocese in the United States, one in Canada, Brazil, Australia, Venezuela, Mexico, and Argentina. Wow. Where we're growing also. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that explanation. We have, uh, the Catholic Church has, I don't know, somewhere around 23, 25 rights? Uh, 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 21 or 22. 20, 20, okay, I added a next few extra. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like, again, most people, uh, is trying to explain to a Catholic and a non-Catholic, honestly, you know, what does a right mean? No, we're st still Catholic. What are some, but there are some difference, some unique differences, some beautiful differences. Uh, I go to sometimes Our Lady of Lebanon, Maronite Catholic Church, and they have some, you know, the liturgy is very similar, but there are some beautiful differences. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the main yeah, well, differences? First of all, we, uh, the Catholic Church is a communion of 21 or 22 churches, one of which is the Roman or the Latin background. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we prefer not to call them rites today, but rather churches, because they were individual churches and self-ruling churches in the communion with Rome, with the Pope. Of course, most were Orthodox for hundreds of years until there was reunions uh, or coming back together, Catholic, you know, the West and the East. The uh, Eastern traditions were 
basically formed in different areas that are in the east today, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, Jordan, Egypt, uh, and various traditions developed. The east always developed the idea that unity meant diversity. In order to be one, you had to be diverse, but there were certain things that were common to all, and that's the basics of the Catholic faith. They're all the same, but the practice of them is different. So uh, liturgically, the liturgies are different. They developed in the milieu or culture of the people. The same thing did happen in the West, uh, where the Roman church was celebrating the liturgy that developed in the city of Rome. Milan, Italy had a different liturgy. A different liturgy existed and way of life also, not just liturgy, existed in France, Gaul, and in Spain, where the church was called Mozarabic because there was an influence of uh, Islam, not, not full Islam, but of course the Arab culture. And all of those Western churches were individual churches in communion, of course, with the Pope. They were basically stopped around the year 1000, and the Roman liturgy became the Western one. They allow one liturgy in each of the cathedrals of those cities today of the past. Mm -hmm. The East maintained, so the West began to see unity as sameness, whereas the East accepted diversity. We have to allow for different people. People in India were certainly different than people in Rome, and people in Syria were different than India and in Rome. Mm -hmm. So they allowed for the development of the culture of the people to come in. And that's basically what happened in the fourth century is when all of the churches began to develop. So you had the Church of Antioch. They were they all had the core, but they developed a little bit differently. And the rules and regulations or the laws were somewhat different. And the spirituality was different. The spirituality was different. The Western Church around the years 1000 and all became much more uh, involved with legalism, whereas the Middle Eastern churches and Greece and Constantinople were not that focused so much on those issues. There were laws that they were followed, but it didn't become illegal. They they were more, let's say, user friendly. That's mm. a good word. People <laughs> good. people friendly. People <laughs> friendly, and that's how they grew. They, they grew by this idea, and uh, so they grew in different ways. The core of all their liturgies is the same, but developed differently, developed differently. Language was always a major issue. In the early, early church, East and West, Greek was the spoken language. Little by little, Latin started being spoken. It was the language of law and politics in the West, but Greek was the spoken language. Little by little, Latin took over. Greek in the rest of the empire was spoken, but the local languages were also spoken. And little by little, they uh, they adopted them. So the East always maintained language of the people in worship versus in the Roman Church, where Latin was used up until Vatican II uh, as the language for worship. Uh, spirituality was different. It was a... Uh, Christian spirituality, but the focus on it was different, the fo different focus of the Eucharist, and uh, all the beliefs were the same, but certainly the practice was different.
Mm, absolutely. Uh, just a reminder that you're listening to the Good News Show. This is our local program on KTH 910 AM. And uh, if you're wondering where we're getting this amazing history lesson from, <laughs> this is uh, Bishop uh, Samra, who is uh, the uh, Aparchial Bishop of Newton, the, or Melkite Church in the United States, uh, is here visiting from Boston and enjoying our slightly warmer weather that we have in DFW right now. I was just talking a little bit about uh, how the different uh, churches or what we're calling them now, um, developed over time. And uh, I was wondering, um, we've talked a lot about how they've, you know, come to be uh, now, but you said that there's a lot of Christians or Eastern Catholics are coming away from the Middle East now. Um, And can you talk a little bit about what the state of the Catholic Church is in the Middle East? It's not too good at this point because of the, uh, what, started a number of years ago here what they were calling the arab spring i don't know but it's not so spring it's a it's a death note there politics are very heavily involved the west is quite involved there's a major division between the branches of islam sunni branches and shiite branches where we lived for hundreds and hundreds of years together but radicalism started to develop and uh Politics got involved and the West got involved. We know the debacle of what happened with Iraq by us going in and invading. We saw the difficulty and it's still not a stable country. And that's happening in all of the Middle Eastern countries. Lebanon was a very, very stable country where Christians and Muslims lived together very peacefully. And in Syria, the same thing. Uh, although the government of Lebanon had more uh, tending to be Christian because the president was Christian, but the Muslims also played a major role in the political situation. In Syria, the government was run by the Ba'ath Party for a number of years, which was a um, Alawite, a branch of Shia, but they were and they were actually a non-ethnic uh, type of government. They did, they did not mix politics and religion. The, the country was politically run by Islam, but uh, Christians lived there very peacefully. In fact, the president himself, the present president, was raised in the Melkite schools in mm-hmm. Damascus and a, a very, very good man to the Christians at that time. Of course, many people are not going to admit this now. So what basically took place in Syria was the war over 10 years already, trying to oust the president. He's still in. I'm not going to get into uh, why all this took place, but it was outsiders trying to destroy, and uh, it created massive problems to the point right now where uh, the... Economic situations are worse than ever. People in Lebanon has collapsed, corrupt governments for so long. The lira or the money of Lebanon has fluctuated from the time of their war, which was like four, not even four lira to one dollar. Now it's up to 30,000 to one dollar. <laughs> Seventy percent of the population of Lebanon is below the poverty level. The people can barely buy food. Uh, A lot of uh, robberies now are taking place. People steal your cars. They push you out. They're starving. Uh, 
is very, very bad. I have relatives there and I have to send them some money actually soon now because the gas prices are outrageous. They can't get money for that. They can't live. Mm-hmm. They can't live. They can't find medicine. Medicines have, for the last two, three months, are out. My cousin, one of my cousins has diabetes and also has uh, problems with sugar very high. And they can, he requires insulin and they have no insulin for one month so far. Wow. So it, it, it's a horror story. And the problem is they can't get out. The American government was blocked during the time of uh, President Trump to not giving visas. So many, all the, many of the families are now broken. Some children went to Sweden. Some went to Kuwait. Some went to Oman uh, to just get, to get out and live a, live a life because they're not able to live it there. To, uh, if you remember a year and a half ago, almost now, two, almost two years of the explosion mm-hmm. of that ammonium that took place, and it was the whole major, very high-class Christian area that was hurt. We, uh, it's a real problem. The Christians are being bled out of the whole Middle East, the numbers. In Syria, where my ancestors came from, Aleppo, our church dropped two-thirds of the people left from our church in Aleppo. Uh, we had eight, nine churches, and now only three are open. Mm. You don't need them. Uh, so it's a, it's a real major problem. Financially, economically, spiritually, the people are broken. And uh, many are living on the gifts of their relatives in the United States who are sending them over. Even that's a problem because they have to have banks that would give them fresh money, they call it. When you send dollars over, if if you deposit them in the banks, they'll give the people only the exchange rate. And now banks are not even... They're afraid of a total collapse so that you can only get, I think it's like $250 out of the bank every month. And $250 right now Mm. uh, doesn't really help very, very much. It's a real problem we're facing, and we have a lot of prayer to do for it. And um, what will happen, no one knows. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, We we know what happened in in Iraq because um, 80, I think 80, 85% of the Christians left. And they're out now in emigration, United States, Australia, wow. Canada. And so the same thing is happening in Syria and in Lebanon. Egypt, the same thing all mm. over. Even the Holy Land in Palestine and in Israel, people are trying to get out as quickly as they can. Mm. It's always very sad, especially when it's a place that has been holy for very long, uh, full of a lot of many Christians. Uh, we'll definitely be praying, and I'm sure lots of people. Do you know of any organization that people, if they wanted to help out to any, there's, is there any organization? Because that's a broad area of Christians. Is there anything in, that you've ever worked with that has been there help? are There are numerous organizations. Uh, most of them, I don't know, uh, of course, Red Cross, mm-hmm. and I don't know uh, too much. E- each of the churches that are have their motherland, in the motherland there, uh, also have, like my own diocese, we have an account specifically for anyone who wants to help out Lebanon, Syria, wherever, and they donate to the diocese and then we send it in bulk. This week we just transferred um, 40000 to the patriarch for the children in Syria mm-hmm. to feed them, clothe them, and we transferred another 15000 to a bishop who just took over a diocese 
uh, that had no car. The former bishop didn't drive, so he needed to buy a car. It's a very large area. So we did that. We have a charity fund. So people who donate to the Diocese of Newton can also we – can, we send periodically uh, to there. The Maronite Church has done the same through various uh, programs. I don't know how they send – I know they sent through – uh, Caritas Lebanon, which is existing, they sent through the Red Cross out in Lebanon and a variety, and also their eparchies. We sent at the time of the explosion with the diocese gift and the people who donated, we sent over a hundred thousand to our bishop in Beirut, who handed out the money to the people that were homeless, feeding them, clothing them. Nothing was used for the reconstruction of buildings. The people themselves came with brooms and shovels and fixed. Hmm. But the money went all to the people. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you so much for giving us that update. And we only have a couple of minutes remaining with you, um, Bishop, but I was wondering uh, if you want to just talk a little bit about you're going to be here through Christmas. Is that right? Is Or no, no, he's leaving before Christmas. No, I'll be going to California. <laughs> going to California. Well, to even sunnier weather, hopefully. I'll tell you what happened. We have... Uh, we, up until seven years ago, we had no parish churches in Texas, but there were people. So we were able to create one in Houston, and then two years ago in San Antonio, and one year ago here in Outreach. So I usually try to get to the West Coast to visit my parishes during the winter because the weather is better out <laughs> yeah. there. I'm not, I, I know when to run away. And today with modern techniques and phones and Zoom, I can still be in my office in Boston. And I visit all the parishes. I want the people to see the bishop is not a man who sits behind a desk mm. and makes statements. But I'm there to be their father and shepherd. So I came this year to Texas for a Houston, one week, our community is St. Barbara, December 4th. We celebrated a big event. We're going to start building a church now. Oh, wonderful. And then I went to San Antonio where Archbishop Gustavo uh, was Garcia was able to give us one of his closed churches to use just for paying utilities. And we have a good community growing there. And then here with Father Mark uh coming back to his proper tradition of being Melkite. He was born and raised in Fort Worth where we didn't have a church. Mm. So now he's back with us. Uh, he was ordained for the Diocese of Denver and through his research coming back to his home, uh, we were able to establish here in the Fort Worth, Dallas area, a community which is now successive. So I'm visiting a week in each. On Thursday, I will be flying to California uh, to my co-cathedral where I'll celebrate Christmas and then every weekend I'll be staying at the rectory there, my office and every weekend I'll be visiting a different parish in California, Seattle, Washington and Phoenix, Arizona. We have uh, 12 or 13 communities wow. out there. And seeing the people and uh, you know, encouraging them to stay strong and support and whatever else they need. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, visiting us and making us one of your stops on your very busy travel schedule you, you have. And we pray for safe travels uh, for the next, uh, well, honestly, for 
a, a good while for you, I'm yeah, sure. Two months. Yeah. Two months in <laughs> two California. Two months to travel. Um, uh, so again, this has been uh, Bishop Samra on the show with us today. Uh, and if you want to stay connected with the local uh, Melkite Catholic outreach, go to Melkite uh, Catholic DFW dot org. Is that right? Thank you so much, Father uh, Malik, for setting this up with us. And I'm sure we'll have you on again soon because uh, I know your last interview was very interesting. Thank you, Cecil, for having uh, allowing us to come on and speak for a few months to the local community about uh, one more Eastern church in the area. Yeah, absolutely. It's always Cecil, how enjoy- do we spell Melkite for those who are not Oh, that's familiar. a good uh, Thanks, Diane. I'll spell Melkite. <laughs> M-E-L-K-I-T-E. Uh, so uh, that's MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. Um, and Bishop, before you leave, do you mind offering a blessing for our listeners? Sure, sure, Thank sure. you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you forever. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and on the other side of it, we're going to welcome Shelley Craig on from Faith and Grief to talk a little bit about an upcoming uh, event that they're going to have on January 12th at St. Mark the Evangelist in Plano. We'll be back right after this. Mark your calendar. The 17th Annual Knights of Columbus Council Number 4771 Wild Game Dinner will be held at the Knights of Columbus Hall on 1700 Rainy Road in Denton on Saturday, January 29th. Join them for an evening of fun and good food. This social will begin at 5.30 p.m. with dinner following. Contact Gene Hartman for ticket prices or for more information at 940 940- Four five three zero six six seven. Hi, this is Bob Dwayne with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My wife, Norma, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your mortgage situation, we can be reached by calling 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. Give the gift of life and donate blood to enter in a chance to win a new Chevy Spark vehicle. Immaculate Conception Catholic Church Knights of Columbus Council in Denton is hosting a blood drive with Carter Blood Care. The blood donations will take place on the Carter Blood Care bus, which will be located near the parish at 2301 North Bonnie Bray in Denton from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sunday, December 26th. Contact Gene Hartman at 940-453-0667 for more information. Hello, my name is Bob Parra, owner of Parra Car Care. We're proud sponsors of KATH 910 AM. Parra Car Care is devoted to automotive maintenance and repairs for today's family on the go. Are you looking for that personal touch? Someone who will listen to your problem and give you options that are manageable for you? We now have two locations to serve you. For the U.S. area, 817-685-2222. And for the Northwestern Hills area, 817-281-1388. We're on the web at www.parracarcare.com. Thank you and drive safely. St. Gabriel the Archangel Catholic Church in McKinney invites all to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet for those individuals facing execution in Texas in the coming month, as well as for the victims of violent crimes. The event takes place on Sunday, December 26th at 11 a.m. For more information, contact Marie Bloss at ministryimprison at aol.com. That's ministryimprison at aol.com. The prayer is sponsored by the St. Gabriel Ministry to the Imprisoned and St. Gabriel Pro-Life Ministry. 
It's the final days of the Sacred Heart Books and Gifts Total Inventory Liquidation Sale. Stop by for great deals on furniture, retail fixtures, and display hardware. Place your bid for larger items or pay the buy now price to stake your claim. All remaining merchandise has been discounted and is going fast. Sacred Heart closes its doors on December 31st. So visit today or give them a call at 972-250-2100. Sacred Heart Books and Gifts has been a longtime sponsor of 910AM. And welcome back to the Good News Show. This is the second half of our program. I'm Cecil Anderson, joined with Diane Xavier, who has been doing so many things for me. I appreciate it, Diane. It's just Diane and I in the office today. Uh, Dave is out for the rest of the year. So um, we're just running running the show around here. And we had an amazing first segment with Bishop Samra from uh, the Bishop Newton, the Melkite uh, Church in the United States. Uh, very, very interesting. He was just a wealth of information. I would love to talk to him for um, you know hours and hours, yes. but the, the show must go on, and we have another fantastic guest uh, lined up, and I want to thank Ellen Meckler for setting this up uh, for us and connecting me with uh, Shelly Craig, who is the program director at Faith and Grief, uh, a grief support nonprofit offering programs online and in person in the DFW area and around the country, and they are partnering with St. Mark's and Our Lady of Angels uh, to post a, uh, a, a grief support session on Wednesday, January 12th from 1 to 2 p.m. at St. Mark the Evangelist in Plano. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and what to expect from that and how to get involved. And also just in general um, about faith and grief. So uh, thank you so much, Shelley, for joining us and welcome to the program. Thank you and good afternoon, Faisal and Diane. Thank you so much for having us this afternoon. Uh, it is uh, feeling at least a little like the holidays, right? <laughs> yeah, just for a couple of days before it gets in the 80s again on Christmas. Yeah. I'm very disappointed about that. <laughs> I know. Who, Texas, you never know what to expect. Um, yep. But uh, Shelly, can you tell us a little bit about um, your background and how you became the program director at Faith and Grief? Sure. Um, I joined Faith and Grief uh, almost three years ago. Uh, I was uh, one of the first staff people to join because our program is primarily uh, volunteer-run, much like our uh, support gathering there at St. Mark, along with Our Lady of Angels. Um, we have uh, wonderful volunteers that have been trained as facilitators to run our program locally. And I came in um, really to uh, start to expand our ministry, as well as... Um, <laughs> Though we didn't know it at the time, uh, start to prepare an online presence. Um, mm, yep. <laughs> and uh, though there haven't been very many silver linings during this time of the pandemic, um, being able to uh, serve those who are grieving during this time, and especially online, has been a real privilege um, to be able to be a part of that and really to serve them where they are. Absolutely. Um, so there is a upcoming uh, session, I guess I don't know if that's what you call it, uh, happening at uh, St. Mark's. Uh, it's a collaboration between St. Mark's and Our Lady of Angels on January 12th. It's an hour-long uh, session. Can you talk a little bit about what that would entail? Sure. Um, our hour-long support gathering, as we call them, um, many people might call it a support group, but we have a little more structure and liturgy around it. Um, as well as uh, we find that uh, coming together around a table and eating is a really important mm. part of um, our process. 
So in, a, in that hour, um, we usually have a liturgist who starts over. Um, sometimes that's a priest or a deacon that helps get that started. And then we have a speaker uh, who speaks um, to their own grief journey, mm. what their experience has been like. And then we break into smaller groups um, facilitated by a um, trained facilitator. Um, so folks who have experienced grief can talk about um, their grief journey, talk about their loved one, and just have some time to focus on their grief. And the hour-long program seems to work for a lot of folks because we either have it around the lunch hour, uh, like we do at St. Mark, or sometimes in the evening as well around the uh, DFW area. And um, this is obviously, like, you know, a very important, I'm, I'm very uh, grateful for you working in something like this because it's such an important uh, aspect to keep our faith and our grief kind of, you know, hand-in-hand uh, hand, uh, when you've suffered a loss. Uh, both Diane and I, who are uh, on the program today, both have lost our mothers in the last five, six years, something like that, Diane, is that right? Yes, yeah, so. I, uh, my mom's... Uh uh, passed away five years ago on December 16th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so we both have like, you know, some pretty uh, recent memories of this. Um, but I was wondering what what made it important for you to work in this kind of ministry? You know, I've worked in other ministry, um, both family ministry and children's ministry in the past, as well as I uh, worked in uh, worship design. Um, and I was drawn to Faith and Grief just by the work that they had already done. Um, they do have always done a wonderful job meeting people where they are on their journey, as well as um, uh, probably the thing that's slightly different about our program is the fact that we do appreciate the role that faith plays in our grief journey. And that's for those who maybe uh, have a very strong faith and are regular church attenders as well as those who may be struggling with their faith, especially during grief, it's not uncommon to have those struggles um, because our lives change after we lose someone we love. Um, And that adjustment uh, so many times can be enhanced by our faith, but sometimes it can be a very confusing time. Mm, No, absolutely. Um, so the upcoming event that's happening on uh, January twelfth at St. Mm-hmm. Mark's, you can be uh, you can RSVP by emailing Ellen dot Meckler nineteen forty six at gmail dot com, and um, you can also visit St. Mark's website to find out more information as well. Um, we're going into the holiday season, which I know for uh, a lot of people can be really hard, especially if this is the first hol- you know, Christmas, first New Year's, whatever it may be that you have lost um, a loved one. And uh, so this, this session is pretty well-timed to be right after that holiday season. Um, what are some of the you know difficulties maybe someone who's going through grief right now might have? Well, you know, the holidays for so many, it is um, the celebration of the birth of Jesus, Mm -hmm. which is such a wonderful time of year for so many people. Um, We're supposed to be happy and excited, and there's an anticipation as we're in the middle of Advent getting ready. Um, But it's also the end of the year, and it is a time when uh, those of us who are grieving sometimes are challenged by all the excitement and the frivolity, because we realize that our loved one may not be there, and we're missing them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, events and dinners, and there's an empty chair, 
And it really sometimes will impact us more, I think, sometimes during the holidays, because we do have a pause this time of year, which we don't always get in our busy, busy lives. Um, and we just miss our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just always a time of reflection, I think, for so many people, and also a pause that allows us sometimes to feel those feelings that we might have been busied away for some time. Absolutely. And uh, I, I was looking at the calendar, and it looks like that there's, there's going to be one of these at St. Mark's happening almost every month in the next year. Correct. Is it yeah. um, kind of one of those events where they, do they build on one another? Is it a one come and, you know, you can go to as many as you want or as few as you like? Um, how is it designed in, um, in that way? I'm so glad you asked that. Yes, um, we host the um, support gathering there at St. Mark's once a month. Um, typically, it's the same uh, uh, day of the month. Uh, it'll be 1 o'clock on the 12th. Um, and each month is, some folks choose to come every month for a while, and then they may come back. It's almost a drop-in uh, type mm-hmm. uh, format in that sense. Um, and some people continue to come. We also have a eight-week grief workshop. Um, we actually have two starting at the end of January, one um, here locally in person and one online. And that goes a little bit deeper than the hour-long uh, gathering that we have. Uh, in the workshop, we talk a little bit about what grief is. Um, we also talk about uh, people's experiences, their stories, some of the feelings that they have experienced. And at the end of each session, they will leave us a spiritual practice to hopefully take back mm-hmm. with them and employ as they're grieving. Um, for a lot of people, they're looking for things many times to start to build a way forward as they're grieving. And the spiritual practices are a way, one, to do that, but also sometimes to help when it gets quiet. For so many people, when they're grieving, late at night or when the casseroles stop coming Mm. is really when the grief really starts to impact them. And that's usually when we invite folks to come join us at the workshop. We also host um, weekend retreats around the country, and we have one coming up here in Texas at the end of February. Um, It's down in the hill country in the beautiful um, Guadalupe Valley, uh, uh, River Valley in Hunt, Texas. And for some people, that works best because they can kind of keep uh, unplug, uh, decompress a little bit, and be not only with others who are uh, managing their own grief journey, but also be in nature and have moments of silence and reflective time with God. Mm, that's beautiful. And the website to find out about all of uh, these different resources and events is uh, faithandgrief.org. Is that correct? Uh, grief.org yes. to find out about that uh, retreat in February. Um, and uh, you, you mentioned an interesting question uh, that you were talking about in those sessions that you uh, they sometimes talk about is what grief is, which I thought was a really interesting thought. Could you give like, you know, what you a brief description in your opinion, what grief is? You know, it's funny. Um, I'm so glad I said that because uh, I, I caught myself. Because when I get asked that a lot, what is grief? And to me, grief is the loss of something that you loved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is a person, that is the death of a loved one. And sometimes it may be an expectation. Um, loss can take so many forms. Um, but uh, we often say that it's we don't typically grieve what we don't love. Mm. Um, 
And there's such a strong connection between love and grief. Um, sometimes people will even say, you know, grief uh, and love are very much the same thing. It's just now um, the person or thing that our love was, you know, about isn't present with us here. And it's so challenging. That's one of the things about grief that makes, uh, that's confusing and, and is challenging is that we can logically think about, oh, this person, I love them so much. This is why I'm feeling this way. But sometimes the feelings are overwhelming mm-hmm. um, and can be constant. Um, and that's where we hope that um, our programs can offer some comfort and hope as people are grieving. Um, grief doesn't end. Um, we say many times that grief changes. Um, and you both have experienced loss of your mother and probably where you are today probably doesn't feel like it did when they first died, mm-hmm. but it's still, you still feel it. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. How do people, what testimonies have come out of the retreats or the courses that you are offering the faith and grief program? Yeah, that's a great question. I think so many times what people appreciate most out of our program is that we give them the space and time and the intention to focus on their grief, um, take the mask off for a little bit, um, cry tears if that's what they need to do because so many times those tears get held back um, as they protect others around them. Uh, some of the challenges we have in our grief sometimes is in our own feelings but the expectations and feelings of others around us who may also be grieving. Um, I think the retreats and the workshops, what that gives people is just to focus, to focus on their grief. Um, It's not like their grief isn't there during any other time, but rather than having the other distractions of day-to-day life, they can really focus on that and focus with intention and spending some time you know, focused on their faith tradition, focused on their conversations with God. Uh, one of our lessons that we have in our workshop and the retreat is the writing of a lament. And a lament is just a wonderful way to have an honest conversation with God. And we learn that many times in the Psalms, but the Psalms are written by songwriters who wrote these thousands of years ago, and sometimes we don't always see the connection. But when we get a chance to have that same conversation with God, it's extremely powerful. No, absolutely. Just a reminder that we are talking to Shelly Craig, who is the program director uh, at Faith and Grief and uh, an upcoming uh, Faith and Grief support gathering that is happening at St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church on January 12th. That's a Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, come for uh, a, an hour-long gathering just to kind of get that support that you need as you're going through your grief. And you can uh, get in touch and find out how to RSVP about that by emailing ellen.meckler1946 at gmail.com. And you can also visit St. Mark's website and Faith and Grief as well has it up there as well. Um, and Shelly, we just have a few minutes uh, remaining with you. But um, I, I wonder if like some of the people who have come to 
are are they ever a little bit reluctant to let's put it that way to come because i know there's definitely times in you know my grief journey that i would have been like i don't want to go to a group and you know and, and share um and sometimes maybe family is like no you really need to i think you need to go to this i think you would benefit from this is there any words of wisdom you would offer to maybe a family or friend who's trying who's walking with someone in a grief um in their grief journey and it just wants to encourage them to come to a faith and grief gathering Thank you so much for asking that. That's sometimes one of the um, most caring and loving things we can do is walk with someone in their grief. Um, Grievers uh, deserve their grief to be witnessed. And sometimes uh, we want to help. We want to fix things. We want to make things better. And you probably may have experienced this in your own grief. There's no real fixing grief. Um, but you can invite them to a gathering or another support group like this, and I encourage you to go with them. Um, telling somebody to do something, as you well know, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but many times we need um, to be led um, a little bit, especially in our grief, um, especially early in our grief. Um, you may have experienced sort of the fog of early grief where decisions get made and you just feel like you're kind of floating through time mm-hmm. and everything else is going around around you and you just are missing your loved one. Um, I often get asked, what can we, what can I say? What can I do? There's really not a whole lot you can say or do to make their pain go away, but you can be there. You can be a listening uh, person, um, whether that's a coffee or encouraging them to go to a support group, um, but be there for them. Um, do our best uh, to try not to fix and give advice or prescribe, (laughs) but just listen um, because that is a huge gift. Uh, We learn that in our own faith. Um, There's a lot of listening and the more we listen, the more we will learn. And it is a form of love. Mm, Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure this probably goes without saying, but just in case anyone who is listening uh, is curious, I don't think there's, because you said, you know, grief doesn't, stop uh there's no necessarily like oh the person had to have you had to have lost someone in the last year it could be have been five years ago ten years ago and maybe you just never had that time to uh process that grief um so this is open to anyone who's lost anybody at any time exactly and you know uh for some of us uh, the loss of a loved one is extremely painful yes it is open to anyone and your grief is we want you to come and uh, make sure we validate your grief and your your uh, particular journey. Um, it's so important to have that, whether it has been just a few months or a few years or even many years. Um, sometimes folks, like you said, don't have the opportunity to grieve like they wanted to at the time of the loss and maybe um, have been holding that for a really long time. And sometimes this is a place to come and be with that grief and mm-hmm. give it the, the respect it deserves. Absolutely. We only have a couple minutes with you, uh, Shelly. Uh, just can you give go over once more uh, about what is going to happen during those hour-long uh, support gatherings uh, that are going to be starting to happen uh, once a month at St. Mark's in Plano, the first one being January 2nd um, from 1 to 2 p.m. Just go over again for those who maybe didn't catch it the first time, what exactly they can expect from that gathering. Yeah, and folks can go to our website, too, at faithandgrief.org um, if they want to RSVP for the January 12th 
uh, uh, support gathering at St. Mark uh, at 1 o'clock. And in that hour, we start with an opening prayer. Then we have a speaker who um, talks to their own grief journey, about five to seven minutes of a presentation. Many times they'll bring photographs or special um, items of their loved one just to tell their story. And then we break into smaller groups around tables, typically. Um, we usually have uh, either a meal or some kind of food that we serve, snacks of some kind. Um, and at that hour, we have typically a um, topic for the month that we talk to. But we also can um, just open it up when people are ready to share. And then at the end of the hour, we come back together and uh, get a moment to recognize any anniversaries, birthdays, upcoming events that may be a bit challenging for us as grievers. Um, and then we can hold that in our own prayers as we do a closing prayer each month. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Shelley, for uh, coming on the show today and talking about this and also for your continued work in this ministry. We really appreciate uh, all that you do. I'm sure all the uh, people who you have been able to walk with have also appreciated it. And I hope anyone who's listening right now uh, will go to the website faithandgrief.org and uh, you know RSVP for those upcoming events happening at uh, St. Mark in Plano and uh, hopefully get some of the healing that you may be in need of. Uh, So Shelly, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me and grace and peace to you. And Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. All right. We are just about out of time uh, for the good news show today. We have a few minutes uh, remaining, um, but just want to remind everybody that uh, our car raffle is officially kind of started. Um, You can get your tickets early in advance if you need some stocking stuffers for any family members who um, are difficult to shop for. Everyone, I think, wants a Mercedes-Benz, unless it's like a two-year-old, unless it's like a toddler. Maybe don't get the toddler a chance to win the Mercedes-Benz. But uh, grnonline.com forward slash raffle is the place to go for that. And we are in that last, uh, you know, week of Advent. So um, Diane was talking about going to confession. I'm sure there's still plenty of churches open uh, this week for confession. Um, And just preparing our hearts, maybe make your Christmas Eve uh, or Christmas Day mass plans because they tend to be pretty, pretty um, full. Um, And it's always a beautiful season because we have a lot of people who come home uh, to the Catholic Church during the Christmas holidays. So we're looking forward to celebrating the birth of Christ very, very soon. Um, So gosh, this is going to be the last time that we speak to you until we're in Christmas time, which will be very, very exciting. Right, Diane? Yeah, I know. And not only that, but right after Christmas, we got the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a busy 2022 as well. (laughs) Yes, it is. With the pro-life news happening. Oh, yeah. And lots of marches and things going on to defend the cause for life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be busy, but um, hopefully everybody will be able to uh, visit, go to Christmas Mass or Christmas Eve Mass. Mm -hmm. I know Father Mitch Pacwa will be in town. Yes, Father Mitch Pacwa, thanks for mentioning that. He's going to be at Our Lady of Lebanon. He always comes for Christmas, so you can experience that. And I think they have like a midnight um, Mass where they have a feast afterwards, and it's pretty fantastic. So uh, we hope that you all have a wonderful Christmas and start to your Christmas tide. And we will be back uh, next week, and I actually can give you a little preview about what we're going to be talking 
talking about. We're going to talk about a career um, session that's going to be happening with St. Jude's. Um, if you need a kickstart to your career, it's going to be happening in January. And uh, also, we're going to be talking about the Leah Rivera Foundation as well and how you can get uh, possibly win a scholarship from that. Um, so we'll be back again next Monday, Diane and I. Uh, until then, have a blessed rest of your Advent and a very, very uh, Merry Christmas. And again, don't forget to join our GRN DFW Facebook group. Uh, we will speak with you again next week. Merry Christmas. Happy Advent. Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us next week at the same time for the next Good News Show. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Or today.